Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Months ago, I think when I first met you, it was August of last year, I think. Yeah, at Bitblock Boom. Was it at Bitblock Boom? Yeah, yeah, right afterwards. Yeah. And um, I think the very first thing I think y'all told me, or somebody told me, I forget who, was like, she's a writer and she wants to write. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, oh, you're a writer. You should meet Carr. And we get down here and I'm like, okay, writing. And you're like, you can be on my podcast. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Yeah, because there's just not enough women <laughs> writers in Bitcoin that I know of. Like, I mean, how many can you think of? <laughs> like quiet. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, not many. Mm-hmm. It's got to be some. We've yeah. got we've got pleb poet. Yeah, pleb poet. You I feel like there's maybe a few technical writers in Bitcoin that I know mm-hmm. of, um, but like Nifty's writing our book, right? Oh, there you go. And then there's other, I don't know of any other, like just regular Bitcoin writers. And there's a lot of crypto writers hmm. that are, that are women okay. that, that I know of. Interesting. I wonder why that is. I don't know. Maybe the money's better. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what it is. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. Cause I haven't read any of them and I haven't really gotten into that. Community. I don't know anything about it. I couldn't even begin to say why that is. <laughs> so, so when I met you, you, you were already writing, but you were writing outside of Bitcoin, I think maybe. Or? I mean, I just write. I've done that my whole life. I just write. What do you usually write about? Anything. I have written a lot of journals. <laughs> I used to send really, really long emails, pen pals, stories. I have a novel that's just sitting there. Um <laughs> ideas, thoughts. I don't know. I just like, it's like reading and writing like, oh God. So I described it once as like, um, I started to say like, okay, writing is sort of like breathing. Like you have to do it. And I was like, well, no, it's sort of like you're, it's more like pooping. You have to like, <laughs> really? it's not shit. <laughs> That's like, a good way to put it. Yeah. Like you just have to like, keep just, doing it. Yeah. It's just something like I have to do. Yeah. <laughs> That's really disgusting, but it, yeah, maybe it you should sense. cut that out. No, nah, we'll leave it in. People oh, will appreciate it. <laughs> no, that makes sense, right? You hope it's not bad. Uh, it kind of reminds me of just like making music. Yeah. 
I don't know. Did you ever, were you ever into like uh, the other arts and stuff like that? Like music or art or any of these other things? Mm. Or was it just primarily writing? I always enjoyed painting. I like pottery, like, you know, making bowls. I haven't done much of it. I crochet. Um, but I like crochet with thread, so it's really small. And then if I could like turn my dreams into art, they would be amazing. It would be amazing art. As far as like just like the images? Or, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So I, I kind of feel like I'm an artist without any skills. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, Describe that. What do you mean? Uh, I think like when you're an artist, like you really, really want to create and you want to create beauty and you want to make things. Um, but like when I try to take these really pretty images from a dream and like draw it, it does not come out at all. So, like, like what you, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like I, and the closest I can get is to write it down, but even then, like, it's not right. It's That's not enough. Yeah. So I used to, when I used to play music a lot, I used to, um, I would hear music. Like I would dream about music <laughs> and then I would go and like, try to make that same song. Mm -hmm. whatever it was in that was playing in my dream. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about like something like that where you like, but it would be like an image they see and you just couldn't. Yeah. I mean, cause like they're really, really detailed. So there's only so much detail. Like, I guess, I mean like the closest I've come to like, like, Oh, that looks like my dreams is like the movie inception. Right. That one's fun. Oh wow. And then some of these, uh, some of these stable diffusion images, I'm like, Whoa, that's, that's pretty cool. I almost feel like I could use that to like. To create it? Yeah. I should try that sometime. Yeah, you should. Because <laughs> then you could just literally describe <laughs> it down to like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it pops something out and be like, oh, finally, everybody else can yeah. see what I'm seeing. Yeah. So I don't know. I should yeah. try that. But I don't know. Like because when I went to sign up for it, it says, oh, we need access to your email. And I was like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> I don't know what that entails. Yeah. I think uh, I think one of the things that that I really I really took a liking to you was when you came back when you were like yeah car I'm gonna write I was like cool write something and then you came back and then you're like here's this post and then I I read it and I was like wow this is like really good <laughs> and it was um, I think I was because you know how like I think I was going somewhere with it like I was gonna make a point out of it and you're like no you should just make it like an introduction. Yeah, so I never made the point, and I don't even remember what the point was going to be. I'm trying to find it right now. Let me see if I can pull it up. Yeah, so it was like Bitcoin is so beautiful it aches. That it was that one. It was kind of just like your introduction into how you're feeling about Bitcoin and and and. That's what it means to be an artist. Then you don't have any skill. Like you still have that like ache to like create things, mm -hmm. and you just it doesn't come out right. <laughs> like. Right. And then, but it was the following one. So that one was good, but it was, mm -hmm. and then the other one that kind of really kind of got you out there was the, the feminine frame. Do you remember mm -hmm. that one? Yes. I yeah. Remember it. <laughs> what, what, what do you think it was about, uh, about that one that kind of like really took a liking? Cause that one I remember was like one where everybody, or at least on the site that I remember people were taking notice to it. That actually, yeah, the first time I wrote and then I looked, looked at it after you spiffed it up and I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. <laughs> um, but what, what was it about that one? Because I, I mean, did people like it or did it just piss people off? 
I think, I don't think it matters when it comes to like the internet. Right. I think it's kind of the same thing. Not really. I guess as long as everybody's thinking. Especially when it comes to writing, right? Yeah. I mean, I feel like the goal is for everybody to be thinking and getting a little closer to the truth on their own way. Mm -hmm. Um, That one you were just, is like, I think the, the kind of the, the thing that I put out was, but grammatical gender is just another subset of noun classes in the world of languages. Ninja Grandma writes about the feminine frame and how linguistics plays a crucial role in how we perceive the world. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, there is a very distinct view of gender in Bitcoin and it's sort of taken on its own life. It's like, I mean, I guess if you have a group of people who are building stuff and they have an idea and then they build on it and they build on it and they build on it. If there's not a lot of mixture with the outside world, it kind of goes in its own direction and it's not necessarily bad. You know, I mean, that could be good or bad, but there's very um, sort of distinct view of gender in Bitcoin at this point, I think, that um, probably isn't going to get very far in the outside world why because you, why you say that for? a lot of it is very messed up. <laughs> like, Oh, what you're seeing yeah. as far as like the gender stuff in Bitcoin? Yeah. Like, tell us more. Mm. The, I mean, pub, the pubs seen, are listening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got to preface this by saying like the first group of Bitcoiners that I met, like where I was living. Um, I mean, maybe some of them have some of these ideas and they didn't talk about it very much, which is definitely possible, but like really great guys. And that's what I hate is when I, I say any of this, people get really defensive and they're like, Oh my God, you're like attacking all guys. You're a feminist. Yada, yada. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad you've got my straw man. <laughs> you can attack it. That's not. Um, so no, mostly you guys are all really great guys. Um, but so like, you know how that saying, like if you give a fish, you give somebody a fish, you feed them for a day. And if you teach them how to fish, you feed them for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. There's a similar saying when you go into some martial arts where if you are protecting women, you've made her safe for a day. And if you teach her how to fight, like she can be safe, right? Mm-hmm. And safer. And in Bitcoin, there's this idea Along a lot that women are supposed to be soft. And first of all, the women who say that generally, I don't see any softness about them. I don't know what they're talking about. Um, None of them can define it. So again, I don't know if anybody knows what we're talking about, Um, but it's like, if you really want women to be soft, then you need to have a society where a woman cannot leave her home unless she has a male guardian with her. And I don't think any of us actually want that. So, And then you have this whole idea that seems to be catching on, like women are chaos. Really? That's the thing that's catching on? Well, I guess the whole thing, okay. So the whole masculine frame thing that pisses me off is every character trait that is said to be feminine, it's negative. Like, oh, you should get rid of this character trait because it's feminine. You need to be masculine. You know, like passive aggression. Oh, it's feminine. Oh, um, tyranny. It's feminine. Oh, you know, it's just like, any negative character trait, they're like, oh, well, we should get rid of it. Then, you know, you have the one book that I don't know how many people have read, but I mean, I'm listing these out. Like here are the masculine traits according to this book. Here are the feminine traits according to this book. And all the feminine ones are negative. And I mean, I talked, I kind of let you read like my thoughts on it where it's like, it's a really great way to end up with an abusive woman <laughs> like wow. because like, you basically have this entire book saying men be better, which is great. Men, you know, you need to feel, you need to have dignity and you need to be respected. And like, yeah, duh. 
And um, these are really good things. And then it has like things that you could learn about it if you read a book on gravitas or leadership or, you know, kinky sex. I don't know, like whatever you want. Like there's a lot of good stuff in there. But the whole point is you need to be these good things because women are not capable of it. And that's BS. And then not only that, but you have like, okay, well, women can't be capable of it. Women are this negative thing and this negative thing and this negative thing and this negative thing. And down the line, and I'm really bad at examples, but um, if they're all written down, I could do it. Um, it's this idea of like, it's all these negative things that if you look at them, these are the traits of abusive people. And yet you're sitting there saying, well, women can't help it. You know, you have to have compassion for women. You have to be a better person because she can't help it. And she's going to be these bad things. And so what, we're just going to have a bunch of Bitcoiners ending up in relationships with abusive women. Like, how is this positive? And this, this is what you, this is what you kind of, um, you took from the masculine frame book. I yeah. Guess. yeah. And Twitter posts from various yeah. authors and people. And, um, you know, like if you want men to be better, I'm all for that. Um, you know, and like, and you know, men have you got into any kind of arguments on Twitter about, about this very subject or any type of like, have you, have you had mm. these conversations like in real life or with other Bitcoiners or is it primarily just like on Twitter or telegram? Groups what I stuff? see is like, it's sort of like you have this idea and this is like where this idea comes from. And then it kind of filters out to other people and other people's thoughts. And they don't even know where it's come from. You know, like I was walking down the street one day and somebody here was like, oh, you know, the street is this party street or whatever is sort of like very feminine because it's very expressive and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, and then I go and I'm reading this book and it says that in the book, basically. And I was like, oh, that's where that, you know, and I just see it like the whole like, okay, women are chaos. Like I get that there's a whole group of people who say women are chaotic and men are ordered and it's just so arbitrary and there's so many examples to the contrary and I don't like people saying oh well you know this is the way it is and you have to agree with it and you have to think it because that's just what everybody's saying I'm like well could we question this <laughs> and then they're like oh but chaos isn't a bad thing but it includes all these like life down like things that are going to make your life miserable but it's not bad Right. So, so, so when you're, so when you were talking about in the feminine fray, you kind of described like, um, yeah, you, so you go into this, you know, there is everything to back up the noun classes of words such as chaos and order and arbitrary mm -hmm. and contradictory and nothing backing inherent gender. There are many masculine deities of chaos pronounced, yeah. and you go into like the, 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 the names of them, like Egypt's. I don't know if, I mean, a lot of people probably, Decent number of people have probably read Cryptonomicon. You know, it seems like a Bitcoiner sort of book. And then you said there are many personifications of order that are feminine around the world too. Yeah. Uh, and then you you list off those. And you said chaos is a noun. Order is a noun. They often have a noun class either in grammar, in the grammar or in the culture. Um, it is often pronounced. Can I pronounce that word for the life of me right Personification. Personification. Yeah, there you go but they are not inherently masculine or feminine, but rather arbitrarily. So um, what were you trying to, what were you trying to get at there? I think you're, yes. you're just trying to say that at least from what I could gather that these are just nouns and yeah. you can attribute them to anybody. Yeah. Right? You Is can that, attribute them to anybody and don't attribute them to people just because they're a man or a woman. Like that's not fair to that individual. Um, 
do you feel like it's more, uh, or do you know, I mean, I don't know. Do, do you think it's more of just like this, um, narrative and like this framing that they're putting it's absolutely around? a narrative. Do you think, do you think that's it's what that pure is? Narrative. Yeah. Yeah. And why do you think, why do you think Bitcoiners want that narrative? Like, what do you, what do you think it is about Bitcoin that gets them to want this? I don't know. Like I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, why would any woman want to uh, like take this on as part of herself? Right. And maybe part of it is there's some cognitive dissonance in disagreeing with it when people say it. Um, I think part of it, hopefully a small minority, but there's probably women out there who are like, Hey, this gives me an, ex an excuse to be a total, like, I don't know if I can cuss on your show. <laughs> I mean, people do. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, this like gives to. me a built in excuse to like be a total, I cuss all the time. I don't know why I don't want to do it here. <laughs> Is it because it's me car? No, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but, and then, yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, I have had, a, I had a relationship in my life that I basically had to put up this boundary mm -hmm. where I said, I realized that part of what was so destructive about this relationship was it was changing how I saw myself in a very negative way. So basically anything I did would get interpreted as I did it for a negative reason. Right. And so my motives were constantly under attack. Um, my, like what I wanted was always being told to me that it was these bad things, what I, and it was just like, when you hear that enough, you start to sort of take that on, even though you're telling yourself, like, I'm not going to, like, it gets past you, like, like your, your little defenses and you start to kind of feel that way. And I had to put up a boundary where I was like, you know, you don't get to tell me what I like. You don't get to tell me who I am. You don't get to tell me what I want. You don't get to tell me why I'm doing things. You don't get to tell me what my motives are. And if you can stop doing those things, we can have a relationship. And she couldn't stop. And so we didn't talk to each other for several years. Okay. And yeah. it's weird to me how difficult it is. You know, I'm reading this book and it's like, women are this, women want this, women are doing this, women are doing it for this reason and this and this and this. And I'm like, this is so abusive. <laughs> like, wow. It's so messed do you up. Think it, do you think it really is abuse? Like, it's, I mean, I mean, um, in that relationship, it sounded like that's what it was going on, but in these, in these books, it's and, an abusive manipulative tactic. I think to get people to agree with you or to do what you want them to do. And it could be like, well, you're this thing. And then maybe somebody will try to prove that they're not, or they will try to, it's like, it's like when, um, um, my mom was a teacher and one of the things she said is like, basically kids will become who you tell them they are. So if you're constantly telling a kid, oh, you're stupid, like, uh, right. Yeah. If you tell them like, you can do anything you set your mind to, they are going to grow up determined and, and you can just, so yeah, true. it is true. It is true. And so kids are humans, humans grow up and we still are hopefully not as susceptible to that, but people are still susceptible to that. Mm -hmm. And so if you're constantly being told, and yeah, I mean, this does happen in abusive relationships, you know, that if you look into them, like whoever is the abuser is constantly saying like, oh, you're this bad thing. You're this bad thing. You're this bad thing. And just like sort mm. of tearing them down over time and it works. Gosh. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah. Um, God, this I, feels like therapy right now. Ah, <laughs> it's good so stuff, I mean, though. but they always come back to, but it's not a bad thing. And I'm like, 
Okay, but really, are you listening to yourself? Like all these things that you're listing as chaotic, like they they seem pretty negative to me. <laughs> like, um, I think like I don't know. I mean, like real chaos. So like I in other in another context though, I do like chaotic situations. Obviously. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Can you not tell when I kid anymore? I just have such a straight face. I mean, I, you were, you were laughing immediately there and I was laughing back. Right. Um, no, I mean, chaos is kind of like a, a blank canvas to paint on. Mm, like chaos is sort of, yeah. Like chaos is like a canvas and you can like create order and art out of it. Um, I would not recommend creating chaos, um, but um you yeah. know, like when I did, I did some disaster relief and like, it was just total freedom. Like you just fixed things and you built things and then you get, go back like a year later and suddenly this like place out on the beach that you would go to and watch the sunrise and the sunset every day. It's like no trespassing. Mm-hmm. Like there's something very free about, um, like it allows you to create and I swear to God, somebody's going to be like, oh, that's so feminine. And I'm like, please, like, Creative you know, how, no, it's exactly. <laughs> Although I think I've heard that. I think I've heard that said. And I'm like, do you realize how long it took, how many millennia it took women to be allowed to like paint and create art? I believe it. Yeah. Um, so I, w- I want to bring up another. So one of the other, this is like one of my favorite posts that you did. Oh no, Which one? You want to know which one it is? Yeah, I'm curious. The most dangerous man. Oh, I love that one. It's so good. It's so, I wish I wrote it. <laughs> I don't think I could have wrote it because I'm not a woman, you know? Yeah. This one was like, I think most of the guys read it here and, and here at the lab and they're like, that's me. Like See? everybody wants to be that guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell us about the, the most dangerous man. What does um, that mean? Where did, where did you come? Where did it come from? The title? You. No, I did. I didn't know the title. <laughs> I don't know. No, I think you were you were the one that was was talking about it with me. We we're talking about it for oh, a yeah, while. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it was like you went off um, and wrote it. So I, when I was a kid, I got in trouble for reading more than anything else. I can see that. Yeah. yeah, and like I would be compelled to read to the point where I'd be eating breakfast and I didn't have a book, so I'd start reading the ingredients on the cereal box. Like I had to read. So when I say like I was obsessed with reading these points in Lord of the Rings, like you take that cereal box level and just add to it. Like yeah. I read those parts hundreds of times. Really? Like over and over and yeah. over? Wow. Like I'd be in my bedroom at night trying to go to bed and I'd sit there and reread these like three pages, like a good 10 times before I'd go to bed. Like I just was like upset. And this took, a, this was for a long time. And you, you, were you reading I mean, them because you love those scenes and yes, those moments? Yes, and they just gave me like a feeling and I couldn't yeah. put my finger on what it was for years. And um, yeah, and so kind of go into like trying to puzzle out what it was about it that I liked so much. I mean, I think the first time I read it, I was 11. And then when I finally was like, oh, that's, that's what the answer is. I was like 21, so 22. I mean, it was like a good 11 years of trying to figure this out. And I was actively thinking about it. Wow. Yeah. Like it was. And so, cause it was weird. I'm like, why am I drawn to these? Um, and so, you know, like I said in the, in the post was, it was when, so I had this friend smaller than me. Um, <laughs> she was learning jujitsu and this other guy, he was like an army guy. And he was like, oh yeah, like you could like, 
you could be her size and take me down with like an arm bar. Right. And I'm like, how is that? Like, I don't, I don't get it. And so I was like, okay, you got to show me what this feels like. Right. Yeah. Like to like how this works and all that. And, um, I just, I, you did. I liked the feeling of it. Cause it was just like, I felt very, very safe, but, and so it was like, okay, so it took me a minute to realize, okay, that's the same feeling. Like it just was exactly the same feeling. And I'm like, that's what it is, is that like you're in this vulnerable situation, but you're completely safe. Because the man is there? No, because and- he never would hurt me. Right. You know, and like as soon as I tap out, he's gonna let go. He doesn't have to. He could kill me with this move, you know? Like, so it was just knowing that. And so then I started thinking about it more. And I was like, well, if you really think about it, like that's exactly what intimacy is, is being vulnerable and being safe. And of course we're going to be drawn to that. Right. Like men and women. Mm -hmm. And, but then it was like, okay, I guess I could see why this would be more impactful to a woman is just that feeling of being safe because we don't feel safe very often. Um, We don't even realize it. You know, it's, it's amazing to me how many men that I've said, you know, like women are always maybe not actively thinking about it, but we're, it's in the back of our mind, you know, like we always know the sky is blue. We always know walking down a street at night, mm-hmm. we need to be careful. Right. Like it's a little bit of hypervigilance and you don't even think about it cause it's so normal. And the number of men that I've said that to, who are just like, really? Like it doesn't even cross their mind. And I'm just like, and the number of like every woman I say that to is like, well, yeah, duh. Yeah. You I know? remember when you told me that I was like, really? I was like, yeah, it's the strangest thing, but I, I, I kind of, I and mean, it's so strange to me that that is strange to you. Well, I mean, it's now that you explain it, it's yeah. clearly obvious, right? Like, but like at the time I, I just never put myself yeah. in your shoes. Yeah. Like, you know, um, mm-hmm. cause I'm a pretty big guy. Like no one's going to mess with me. And if they did, they'd be like really dumb. <laughs> 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 but at, also at the same time, like I know these, but, I know these, I know my city really well and I know where to stay away from and what times and like, you know, kind of just know my way around the city really well. So it's like really hard for me to find myself in a situation unless I'm like really want to be there. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I don't think women can even quite like in the same way that it's hard to put yourself in those shoes and imagine it. I think it's really hard for women to put ourselves in the shoes where like, Oh yeah, I can just walk down the street anywhere. And like, it doesn't even cross my mind that like any, like anything could happen like that sort of, and I don't think we realize that there's this sort of divide. I mean, cause like, again, like I went into that post, like I'm in this train station, right. In Europe. Mm-hmm. And these guys are, you know, who knows what they were doing, laughing, making fun of me, just harassing me a little bit. And it wasn't that big of a deal. And I didn't feel on edge or anything. And then this guy who was with us just stepped up and like, was like, is there a problem here? And like made them leave. And the way that I like relax, relaxed, like the intensity of it was shocking to me. Yeah. So that was very eye opening. Yeah. I used to live on the East side and I think I told you this story before, but there was so many times where we would be like walking back from, you know, wherever. And this one time there was a guy like attacking a woman and like me and my cousin. You did like, tell me about this. Yeah. Me and my cousin like went over there and like kicked off the guy and like scared him away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, it, I think, I think it's, if you're, if you're a good man, I think most good men that are out there will do that. Like, it's just in, it's in, it's just how they're raised. And I, I it's like I my know. mom and my younger sister, you know what I mean? It's, that's how I look at it. Kind of that, like that. So it's like, 
it's how my mom raised me. And it's also like, that's somebody's like sister or that's somebody's, you know, friend, you know what I mean? Like it's, that's how I look at it. You go, so it's more of this post. I think that, hold on. I think that's Uh my problem when people are like, oh, women are just supposed to be soft and feminine. And it's like, I went and I studied like different martial, some martial arts, right? Mm -hmm. And I was at work. I was a supervisor. And this guy was angry at one of our employees like mad, like physically, like he was mad. And I was going to attack somebody. He was getting like, he was not really to that point, but like angry enough that he was raising his voice. He was looking kind of physically intimidated, but like, you know, and somebody told me, I was like, okay. So I walked over to like find out what was going on. He starts walking at me all frustrated. And I didn't say anything. My face didn't change. I just looked him in the eyes and I was like, actually this guy, I could actually beat up. He was like, he was a size. He was a, like, I could have beat him up. And I just thought it. And he took one look at my eyes. He stops, turns around and walks away. I'm not making this up. And I like went to my teacher. And I'm like, what was that? He's like, oh yeah, that's like command presence. Right. And I was like, I don't know what that was, but that was magic. Command presence. What is command? It's, presence? it's sort of like, like how a police officer or a soldier, oh, like you just geez. carry yourself a certain way. Oh, and okay this book that I'm reading that I hate so much also kind of goes into this. That's what I'm saying. Like half of it's not bad. Um, yeah, no, it's just, it's a way of carrying yourself that people like, it just gives people like the sense that they don't want to mess with you. Yeah. And I'm tiny. And I was like, it was magic. So when people are like, Oh, well you need to be soft. You need to be feminine. Don't learn how to fight. Have men protect you. Like, do you know the freedom and the safety that you are just giving up? Like, like you can still be very feminine. And, and a lot of women know this, especially in Bitcoin too, but like telling me that I shouldn't be aggressive or I shouldn't be this or shouldn't be that. Like, I'm not going to have any of it because I really like how it feels to like. You like to be a bully. I do not like like. to be a bully. (laughs) No, I don't like to be bullied. I don't like to be bullied. I'm kidding. Yeah, I know. And that's not something that applies to just men. I noticed when I had a situation that this is so dark and morbid, but like I realized emotionally, spiritually, like in certain circumstances, I would be capable of killing. Really? You don't know that until you're in that situation, right? You're talking about on the podcast right now? I don't know. I don't know. know. Is there a murder we should know about? No. Okay. This just turned into, what's that that show called? No, Uh, I didn't kill anybody, but there was a point where I was like, like, had that total like fight or flight reaction that like the world just zooms into a tunnel. You have tunnel hearing and tunnel vision. It was just like, if these guys attack me and they get hurt, I don't care. Like, why are they like, Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like, yes. To protect myself, to protect others mentally, emotionally. Have you been in a life or death situation? Um, yes. Really? But I mean, also, it came from a different direction than what I thought at the moment. What is but that mean? I don't know how much it's like. Anyway, yeah, we're not talking about. Okay, it. yeah, yeah. Um, but the point is, like, even just if you're, like, you're gonna have that same physiological reaction and thought process if you think you are as well. So it could be one of there. But anyway, where was I going with that car? You were you were go- talking about how. Um, 
No, I don't know. We were just Dang talking it. about how you could kill somebody and then murder. I'm going to go back and try to listen to this later, which is going to be hard because our voices sound different. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, oh, that's what I was trying to say. It's yeah, going to bug me. It's okay. I, don't, I, think, I, but, think that, I think there is something to um, being in a life or death situation and then living through it. And then also having it happen to you again. Like, so for me, I, I won't go into too much detail. One day I'll, I'll tell yeah. you guys this story. Mm-hmm. Just listening. But I've been in like probably one, two, three, maybe three or four life or death situations. Yeah. And the first time, yeah, you're like really scared. The second time you, you, you realize it's just like, okay, this is, this is another situation again. And then the mm-hmm. third time you're just not, you don't even fear so it. Weird. And then, so now like for me, I, you know, I ride a motorcycle now and that kind of doesn't, it doesn't feel like a life or death situation, but it definitely <laughs> feels like, you know, I could crash at any yeah. moment, but it's, 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 it's thrilling. Like it it's, is. it's really, it's really thrilling because it, it just something about, you know, yeah. that metal or, or wh- whatever it is that sound that it just speed. I don't know what it is. So it's funny. Cause like I'll jump out of an airplane, but motorcycles, I don't, I don't do. <laughs> so let's talk about, so let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Why do you like jumping out of airplanes? It's for? very peaceful. Really? Yeah. What's the, what's the first, what, what was the first time you jumped out of an airplane? What did that feel like? Um, <laughs> or, and why? Like, okay, why? actually that's probably the better okay, question. Why, like, why, why yeah, did you yeah, jump yeah. out of, of an airplane the first um, time? Okay. So I was in this previously sort of mentioned life or death situation, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of messes with you a little bit for a while till you kind of. Mm-hmm make sense of it or not make sense of it and accept that. And, you know, so I read somewhere that out of all the different ways of trying to commit suicide, people who survive jumping off of things um, are the least likely to try it again. Nobody try this. Wait, wait. So you're saying that people that jump, like, let's say hypothetically somebody jumps off a bridge, jumps off a bridge and and don't die and you don't die those people are less likely to repeat attempt. There's something about the sensation of falling that's really good for people somehow. Interesting. Yeah, I wish I could find this article or okay. this study or whatever it was. Um, so I was like, okay, well, I'm not suicidal, but I'm like depressed and I'm anxious and you know, like everything else that comes with the aftermath of these sorts of situations. And so I was like, all right, well, I've always wanted to skydive, right? So that's falling. You just do it deliberately. Um, I also was reading a book at the time that, you know, said that extreme sports put you into a meditative state. Mm. Um, and your mind, your oh. brainwaves, basically. Oh, wow. Interesting. It'd go into the same sort of brainwaves as meditating and prayer. And there's a bunch of different things. Oh, Psychedelics. Wow. Yeah. So, um, I was like, okay, that seems like another reason to go try this, right? So, and then I don't make New Year's resolutions. I didn't tell you this part before. I don't make New Year's resolutions because I know, I grew up, everybody says, oh, I made these New Year's resolutions and I never keep them. Yeah. So as a kid, I'm like, well, that sounds dumb. Why am I even going to bother, right? I'm just not going to do it. Yeah. So I never do it. And I had this one year where some people were um, trying to get me to kind of, that the boundary that I had with the person where I was like, you can't tell me who I am and all that sort of thing. They wanted me to kind of like make up. And so they kept being like, Oh, it's your news resolution. And you could tell they wanted me to say like, go fix this relationship or go back and talk. And I was just like, you don't like, I'm not going to get into this with them. Right. So they were just kept pushing and pushing it. And finally just to kind of piss them off. I was like, you know, this year I'm going to go skydiving. (laughs) 
<laughs> they, they actually didn't look happy about it. Um, but so I planned on going on the anniversary of this event. Oh, wow. And it didn't quite work out that it was the exact anniversary, but it was the same month. And I was at work doing everyday work things. And I knew I was on edge because I get on edge every year at this time of year. But like, like my hands will start shaking and get kind of jumpy and all that. And I, I mean, but at this point, like it was normal. It's been several years. And so I go to go do the skydiving. I jump out of the plane attached to somebody. Mm-hmm. And the thing that struck me was it was no scarier than what I was feeling every single day. Wow. Which was one of the most validating, shocking things. I'm like, I'm just sitting here doing a normal, boring job, feeling adrenaline levels and stress of somebody jumping out of an airplane. Like how validating is that? Yeah. What was that like to go? And then when you finally like- When I landed. When you landed to come So the rest of that month- Did you know that when you were going through it, that's what was going through your mind? Or was it when um, you landed, then you had time to reflect on it? No, it was pretty obvious, really. I think it was like ups in the plane still, like right at the door or right after I jumped out. It was like that realization hit me. Um, But, and part of the reason I had done this deliberately and it worked like a charm was so that when I did have those feelings, it would be something positive. Like my, so like you have like fight or flight, right? Mm. And your body um, associates it with something negative. Mm-hmm. So you could have something, um, the way I've heard it described is like, you know, when you like touch something hot and you pull away before you even feel it, because mm-hmm. there's a part of your brain that reacts to it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay, I just pulled away. Why? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to figure out the why after you react. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times people, when they have PTSD, their physiology reacts, same part of the brain. And afterwards they go, oh my gosh, what happened? Why am I reacting like this? And their body is basically screaming at them like you're about to die or somebody's about to die. And so if you don't realize your body's doing that, you look around and you find something to be scared at or angry at and you react to it and it might be kind of irrational. And so um, if you can realize that your body is the one telling you you're about to die and maybe it's not actually the case, like you can kind of you know, do some breathing or whatever, just to kind of calm your body down. Um, so it's a way of like re-engineering your. Yeah. So I was like, well, what if I gave sort of like Pavlov's dogs? Like, oh, you ring a bell. I'm about to get some food. You ring a bell. I'm going to salivate. Okay. So what if whatever is making me feel this way and like making my body associate that feeling of like stress with something fun and cool and positive and jumping mm-hmm. out of an airplane and exciting. And it was cool because like for three months after I went skydiving. How many skydives did you go in those? That, it was just one. That time. Just that one? That okay. time. <laughs> yeah. If every time I'd go skydiving. No. So like for like a, three months after that, anytime I'd start to feel kind of stressed, I would li- like my brain would just think about jumping out of an airplane and I'd still feel that way, but it was like cool and it was exciting and it wasn't stressful anymore. Mm-hmm. Worked like a charm. It was great. Um, so then the next year, same anniversary, I went back and did it again. Same result. And they were like, yeah, well, you could keep coming back and doing tandem jumps or you could, I don't know, get your license. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. Because if you tandem jump, it's like a few hundred dollars. And then if you get your license, it's considerably cheaper. Really? Yeah. It'd be like 20s, 30s dollars. So you're going to go back and get your license? I've been working on it. Yeah. But I've taken a so, slight pause, but so I need how, to go back. How many jumps did you do total? At this point, um, 15 by myself and two tandems. So 17. Really? Wow. 
Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you're just an adrenaline junkie. I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like, it's so peaceful. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Well, for me. Yeah, it is. It's very, very peaceful. When did it, when did it, um, they're so beautiful. You can see so far and it's just like so free. And then, um, what was the, so when you jumped out, (laughs) when you jumped out by yourself the first time, what was that like? Was it by myself the first time? Well, okay. So there's different levels of by yourself, right? So the Uh first time you go and you jump quote unquote by yourself, you have two instructors with you. They're just not attached to you, Yeah. but they hold on to you to keep you steady in the air. Cause that's a whole skill learning to stay steady in the air, which is another magical skill. Um, like it Wait, just feels it really magical. Hard? What is it really hard when you get to the point that you can do it? It's like playing a musical instrument because like, oh, the only way I can wow. describe it. Cause you like, you feel the air just like going through your fingertips and like the slightest tilt of your hand to the wow, side will move, you. will move your entire body. Like, it's just, it's like playing with air, like a musical instrument, half of them, you know, like, it's just, it's so cool. It's like, you can imagine like tendrils of like smoke, like thermodynamics and curls of air just going through your fingers. I don't know. That's why you kind of have to wear like gloves and suits, right? Or no, 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 you don't have to. No, no. I've done jumps where you don't wear any of that. Um, So a lot of the suits that you see in pictures um, are for students because they have handles that people can hold on to them for. Um, or maybe they're jumping on a team and they're making formations in the air. So you want to hold on to it, but people jump in shorts all the time. Shorts and a tank top. You should see drop zone. There's a movie called drop zone. <laughs> I don't want to like, you should watch I it. I don't it's, know. It's a really, no, it's, it was like, it was made in the nineties. I'm sure somebody is listening right now. Like, Oh, I know that. Uh, <laughs> it's with uh, Wesley Snipes. And he's like, it's like an FBI agent, like also jumping out of planes. And he's like, it's kind of like what point, like saving the world by jumping out of planes. No, it's like the whole point of him, like trying to, find some terrorists or something, but the terrorist like jumps through planes and then he's like, jump, start jumping through planes. <laughs> Next thing you know, the whole movie is just about him, like jumping through planes. It's kind of like, like from plane to plane to plane. In no, the he's air, like, the whole- he's like doing, he like jumping. He like joins this like kind of group. Uh-huh. That's like, it's called drop zone. Cause they're like in a group and they're doing like <laughs> patterns and stuff in the air. Oh, it's really cool. Funny. Um, Ugh. And then once you are like, you're, you're, Obviously when you're falling 120 miles an hour, it's not quiet. Like you stick your head out a car window. It's not quiet. But once you that shoot, once the parachute, I called it a shoot. They, like anybody who's a skydiver is going to be like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, once the parachute opens, um, they tell you on the first day of class, that like, don't call it a shoot. It's a canopy or a parachute. Wow. And I was calling it a parachute or a canopy until they told me that. And ever since then, my mind is like, wait, you're going to say the wrong thing. And then I like switch it and end up saying the wrong thing. So annoying. But anyway, like, um, once it opens and you're just hanging there in the air. Yeah. What is that like? Quiet. I mean, you're, you're even higher than birds. Really? There's no traffic. Do you ever see any birds? Mm, I mean, I haven't gotten close to any, but you've seen videos, you know, where they do, but, um, so when you're like, when you're floating, partly why you cover your eyes. (laughs) So when you're floating down and you're like hanging on to your parachute, it's just quiet. It's just quiet and peaceful. Yeah. it's, It's amazing. And then you, when you're looking down though, cause you can look down. Okay. Hold on. The, like you're sitting there in the air and you look down and your feet are just there Dangling. free above. Like I can't describe how it looks and how like, Oh, it's the weirdest feeling. Cause your feet are just Dangling. there Dangling. free in the air. Gosh. High above the ground. I don't know. It's just, Dang. I love it. That'd be so scary. So it's not, it's so, it's so nice. Um, okay. Anyway, <laughs> so let's get back on Bitcoin because right. we, we kind of deviated just <laughs> into a, a parachute podcast. What's uh, <laughs> what's your what's this? Okay, so the the last 
the last article I want to bring up is the why women fail at Bitcoin. This mm-hmm. one, most people don't know this who are listening, but so she wrote this article called why women fail at Bitcoin. And this was released February 2nd. This had so many uniques like all over the world, China mm-hmm. specifically, which was surprising. I showed you like the numbers. It was insane. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Do you think it was the title that got people to click on it? I don't know. I think it was. The, I think it was the title. I saw it get shared a decent bit too. But it get it got shared. Yeah, quite a decent bit. But I think you resonated with like a lot of women on this one post. Mm-hmm. I think this was your. I think there's a good. I, I'm, I'm be surprised if men and women could have possibly resonated this this one. I mean. Yeah. The, so the summary is: with each setback, she harnesses her anger and uses it to fuel her determination. Becoming a shining example of courage and resilience in the face of adversity. Ninja Grandma writes about learning to fail or learning to fall, fail, and persevere through her determination and her strength, becoming an expert in failing. What did you mean by that? Like, as far as like uh, becoming an expert in failing? Um, an expert in failing. Yeah. So, like, I go into skate parks. Mm-hmm. And if you go to skate parks, you very quickly realize. Um, Falling is not something to be embarrassed by. It, you might laugh at it and everybody else might laugh at it because it might be genuinely funny, mm-hmm. but you're not, it's not shameful in the slightest. Not only is it not shameful, but you start to be proud of it because it means you're persistent and you're tough enough to fall and do it again and again and again and over and over and over again. And eventually like the falls become part of the bragging rights almost for people. <laughs> like, you yeah. know, like, um, you're like, yeah. Yeah. And so that was really cool to experience that because it definitely translates to every other part of your life. You know, like I watch these guys work on tricks for weeks and months Mm -hmm. and I'd be working on something and I'd fall. And these, some of these guys, um, at the skate park. Yeah. And it'd just be like, Oh, well like, like, yeah, you're not going to be able to, you know, like, you're a woman and you've fallen and, and it's interesting cause, um, there definitely are like, I don't like watching women do BMX cause they kind of suck at it. Sorry. And I honestly, I wonder, I think a big part of it is cause big part of it honestly is the center of gravity cause men have their like weight in their shoulders. And when you're on a bike doing stuff that makes it sort of in the middle, whereas women's center of gravity is more in their hips, which is back over the back wheel. And I feel like maybe somebody with a physics knowledge could get in there and make a bike that's more appropriate for a woman. Uh, (laughs) Like that's probably a real thing that could happen. And then women would probably get a lot better faster. Um, But part of the reason it's going to be hard for women to get better is because there just isn't almost, I guess you could call it like the mentorship. And part of it for some of the women was, well, I don't want guys telling me how to do it. I want to figure it out myself. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't quite understand that because they're helping each other. So I don't know why you wouldn't also accept help. So there's that. Um, like when we translate this to Bitcoin, like, cause that what you were, that's what you hmm, were talking about. Yeah, like, yeah. do you think there's enough women mentorship that's happening out there? Or? <sighs> I mean, part of the thing that happens with mentorship when you have men and women is men get very men and women. It's kind of awkward for a man to mentor a woman. 
Um, and so there's just that sort of like divide of how do we cross this little bridge of keeping everything appropriate and I'm still passing on my knowledge to you. Mm-hmm. And that is difficult. So that sort of keeps women out of a lot of things and a lot of fields. Um, and on the women's side, do you think there's women that actually do that too as well? Or Do what? Like mentor other women? Um, well, I don't know. What are you mentoring me on? Are you mentoring me on how to cook bread? Like, <laughs> like um, just in your life, have you seen it? I look around and I see the particular knowledge about Bitcoin that I want. There aren't a lot of women who have it yet. And also I don't, I want to pick mentors by what knowledge they have that I want to learn as opposed to if they're a man or a woman, Mm. you know? um, And this is why you think women fell at Bitcoin? No. That was the whole learned helplessness part of it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we got down that tangent. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, I think learned helplessness is a big thing. Um, it's a weird thing. It's a very weird. Oh yeah. You were this, me is about so, that. this is yeah. one of those things that made so much more sense when I'm writing it with my fingers and my hands instead of when I'm trying to talk about it. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. You're doing fine. It's, um, I mean, this is why we write, right? Yes. I suck at talking, dude. I do too. I'm really bad at it. I'm like really bad at it. Yeah. But you put me in front of like like a keyboard to start writing my thoughts and I can give you this beautiful yeah. thing about how I look at something or yeah. how I see something in the path forward or something. Yeah. But when you when it comes to actually like <laughs> words. when it comes to words, I'm very it's very hard. And it's funny because people will be like, Oh, you're talking fine though. And I'm like, okay. I understand I'm able to have a conversation and talk fine. But if you knew what was in my head that I'm trying to express, you would understand what I say when I'm, what I mean when I say like, I can't talk. <laughs> like It's so hard. I have a really hard time like looking at something and not understanding how it works. Like it just, it's an itch. Like mm-hmm. I want to understand it. I want to understand the details. Um, And people are like, oh, are you big picture detail oriented? No, I want a bunch of details so I can make like a high definition picture, big picture. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, sort of like how I knew I should buy Bitcoin and never got around to it until finally I was like, "Eh, I should probably get on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you should. Actually, what is your Bitcoin story? I think you've told me, I don't remember. How did you, how did you get into (laughs) Bitcoin? So back to the getting in trouble reading more than anything else. Um, my dad always had Wired Magazine and Popular Science and Popular Mechanics laying around the house because mm-hmm. um, he was always into computers and electronics and my uncle too. Um, and so I'd be sitting there eating breakfast and, you know, if there's a magazine on science or the freaking ingredients on the cereal box, like, what are you going to read? Yeah. So um, when I wrote that first thing that you published from me, I was thinking that I had read like a single article And I then found later like a database of multiple articles from like that time period. Um, And so I think it was actually multiple, but there were some stuff on the cypherpunks. There was an article on some like, on like eCash. And so I don't know, it was probably three or four or five different articles that I read. And I think it was just that the government was fighting them. (laughs) 
that I was like, you know, there's probably something legit here and I should probably pay attention to this. Yeah. You know? And I mean, there were lots of things that I would read in there cause they'd talk into like new inventions and, and I'd be like, Oh, you know, maybe someday when I'm old enough, I'll invest in this, you know, maybe this is going to become a thing. Um, like, like the little insect robots that have cameras in them and they're the size of insects. Like those are probably pretty well developed at this point because <laughs> I was reading about them like decades ago. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I just remember thinking like, and plus like everything was going digital. So of course your money is going to go digital. Like that's, right. that's like a foregone, like it's just a gone, like a foregone conclusion. I can't even figure out what I'm trying to say. Like it's going to happen. And it just struck me as obvious and it struck me as like, these guys are working on it. They're trying to solve the problems that come with it. Um, I need to keep an eye on this. And one day I'm going to buy this. So then um, that when Bitcoin came along, um, even, I mean, very early, it was still in the like double digits. I was like, okay, like here it is. The reason I didn't buy it was two reasons. One was I was reading about it before it was a finished product. So I didn't know if it was a finished product. And then I decided it wasn't, I bought some and now I've realized it's not, but <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's better it is, than what we it's got. Not, right? Yeah. Right. Well, it's but no, than, it's just, it's so yeah. interesting to me being around people who are like, are constantly talking about how to solve different elements. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's cool. But, um, but um, that was the first reason. Well, there were a few reasons. One, I went through a period of my life where I couldn't afford a cup of coffee from the gas station. So I was not going to buy Bitcoin because I didn't know you could buy 50 cents of it. Um, but I didn't understand the economics of it. I think I thought it was going to be like a stable coin, oh, okay. like a private sort of stable coin. So I thought when it went up to like $400, it was overpriced. And then it dropped down and I was like, see, I was right. I'll just wait a little longer. And I think it was when I got up to like 3000 and then 30,000 that I was like, uh, well, <laughs> I think, I think this is going to be a I think, I think I should probably uh, yeah. buy that today, yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> like yesterday is the best time, but today's the next best time. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great story. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it makes sense. Your dad was, had a lot of those magazines later around. Yeah. You just kind of read them because yeah. you're always into reading. Always into reading. And I also realized I liked science very early on. Really? I think I was in third grade and I was just like, oh my gosh, science is cool. My mom would go, she was a teacher. So she'd go to conferences and she'd go to, I mean, if you go to teacher conferences, there's entire like booths devoted to science and science experiments. Mm -hmm. I was also homeschooled. So there were like homeschool conferences, but she was also like, she taught in schools Wait, you're as well. you homeschooled for how long? Uh, up the through entire. high school. Oh, up through high school? Yeah, basically. So uh, seventh grade, two thirds of the way through seventh grade. Anyway, I went in. There's a lot of homeschooled people in, in Bitcoin. Right? Right? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I know two yeah. people. You're the second person. I, there's Actually, a, there's, there's the third there's person. There's a lot. Yeah, there's, there's a another few. third person. I know. Yeah. There's like three people that I know. Yeah. So, um, but there were science booths and so she would go and she always had the coolest experiments. Like if you take, is it salt or like a super saturated solution? <laughs> she was like, okay. like it's salt or a type of salt or something. You boil it and it, um, melts. Right. But it's as saturated. The water is as saturated as it can be before it solidifies. Um, but you've made it hot. So it's holding like the amount you can. So you have it, it's a liquid. You take one grain of salt, you drop it in it and the whole thing just kind of solidifies. 
Mm. And so like, that was really cool as a kid. And she had a lot of cool things like that as a kid. And so, um, yeah. And it was funny too, cause I could tell she had been at a class and what they had taught because we're at home one day and my sisters and I are doing something that was probably making a mess. And she like, just takes this deep breath and looks at my dad. She's like, little scientists. Like, you know, it was like, kids are little scientists. Let them be that. And she was like reminding herself of that in this yeah. moment. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. And my mom said the, fe- like the favorite class she ever took in college was a cryptography class. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. She was a lot of, so she actually, I think she was, I think she was interested in looking into Bitcoin before my dad was, but yeah, it didn't go anywhere. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then my sisters and I, I mean, it's so funny. Cause like people just be like, Oh, you're so lucky. You don't have any brothers. Cause you don't have to worry about bringing bugs home and snakes home and you know, all the messes. And I'm like, that's <laughs> true. We just take care of it ourselves. <laughs> like, so, um, yeah, my mom and my dad both were very encouraging about reading and science. And my mom was a math teacher and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you had a great upbringing. I mean, I don't know. It sounds like you, um, yeah. sounds like you had a lot of fun, especially <laughs> like being homeschooled. It sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I kind of wish I was homeschooled. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, Cause you just get to hang out with your, your sister, right. And, and your, um, and your, your parents that are it teaching. It can be you. good and bad. I mean, like parents who homeschool have to be very careful about not burning themselves out. That is a real thing. Um, and then why do you why, want why? to find other ways to people are like, Oh, but you don't have the socialization. My mom had us in so many other activities. Like we had socialization, you know, I mean, like, there's, there are homeschool co-ops and I learned a little bit more about crocheting there, you know, and then you have, I mean, like we were in sports and we were, I mean, there, there are so many ways to have your kids. If you homeschool them, still be around a lot of other kids. So when you went to high school, like what, what, what was it that made you like, why did she? Uh, I reached puberty and we started fighting a lot. Uh, <laughs> so uh, honestly, she, oh, okay. I don't know. Like it just, you know, and my mom was always very much, she's like, cause she was a teacher and she's like, homeschooling really isn't for everybody. Like you cannot one size fits all for every parent and every kid. There are kids who should be in public schools. There are kids who should be homeschooled. We had some friends that they had a school in the basement. And Ooh. so it was a mom who was at the church, but she had, she had taught in public schools and she just started like a homeschool. She homeschooled her kids and about 20 other kids. And they just had like a little one room classroom down in the basement. Oh, wow. And we'd go on field trips with them and stuff. Like there are so many options. My kids, my sisters for a while did um, online school. Like, and so, yeah, my mom was always just very like, there is no one size fits all for schooling for your kids. And if it gets to the point where it's time for you to go to public school, then like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Wow. I I did that. (laughs) It sounds pretty, uh, it sounds pretty impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think, uh, I think you have a lot of stories in you, Ninja Grandma. <laughs> I think you have a lot of stories in you. I definitely think you do. Probably, um, yeah. I'm interested to see what you're going to write about next. Um, so am I, <laughs> I never really like, know. No, no. Like if you ask me right now, what am I going to write about next? 
I'm not quite sure. You're just waiting. Does it, do you have to see something or is it, <sighs> you know, where do you, where do you I get some of these ideas? I love, so uh, Ray Bradbury, it's uh. called the Zen and the Art of Writing. Great book. And it's just a bunch of essays he has on writing. And one of the chapters, one of the essays he has is how do you like, how do you call a muse? Mm. And he's like, you know, do you have to be quiet? Do you have to be gentle? And he's like, no, like basically the conclusion of it is the things that are very loud are what you're going to write about. The things you really, really hate the things you really, really love. Mm -hmm. Like the things that you just feel very, very strongly about. That's where you get your topics to write about. And he turned them into like short stories that were completely, you know, they were just fiction, yeah. but, and I, I mean, I like fiction too. So Dude, he had one story. It was so cool. It was like a horror story about this guy who realizes that these scary skeletons you see around Halloween, he's walking around with one in his body every single day. And it like just freaks him out and makes him go insane. Oh, wow. I'm like, that's so great. Yeah. <laughs> Where do you get that? Yeah. I've, I've been, I've been, I feel like prompts really work good for me. Like if you mm. give me a prompt that really helps out a lot. I, I like, I love movie trailers cause they feel like story prompts. Yeah. I feel like that too. And I, I really like creative writing. I could write a story if I wanted to, but these days I'm just so creatively, creatively juiced out. Just have so much going See, on. And that's the thing. Like you're like, okay, what are you going to write about next? And it's like, you can't just call it up and make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm rereading this book, geography of genius. I wonder if that's where I was going with that thought that I couldn't remember earlier, but um, he kind of goes into kind of what like made me decide to move here uh, was that it kind of fit a lot of the criteria in that book. But um, he goes into like, if you ask like the really intelligent people where they got their ideas, none of them can tell you. Mm. So it's like, I have no idea where ideas come, but he makes it, he also has a big thing about like genius and it's, it's a group activity. There's no like lone individual. Like we think there are, but if you look at a lot of people who did a lot of building, a lot of creating and things that we remember. Um, they were around a lot of people. It was a whole group. Yeah. I mean, you could look, you could, you know, you could say like him or hate him. Elon Musk is sort of like Leonardo da Vinci, right? He doesn't do any of this on his own. You know, like he's a, he's a face to all these things that all these scientists and engineers and everything are creating. But it's, it's always a group. So yeah, like, it's always a group. I yeah. wanted a group, you know, like I want to find a group because, yeah. you know, and then you have people who are just, you know, in that support role that help other people build stuff. And I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of, there's, um, I don't know if it was a book, um, but it was industrial light magic. It was, it was made in the seventies, I think right around when George oh, Lucas, I've heard about this. yeah. Right around when George Lucas made star Wars and stuff. And it was all these creatives and they, we're trying to make yeah. um, like movie props and stuff like that. And they didn't know what they were doing. And, um, but yeah, George Lucas gets credit for a lot of it, but in, re in reality, it was like the people behind it the scenes. A whole group. Yeah. It was a whole group behind the scenes yeah. that were actually really doing it. And it goes into, you know, like Venice and all the artwork in Venice. And there were entire like factories and workshops of just people who did, they weren't even doing it for like artistic reasons. Like it was just a business. They were just making a lot of crap too. And, um, but you know, when you make a ton of crap, you're going to have some really good ones in there as well. And, yeah. and those end up lasting. And so 
it's just those times and places. It's basically a book about the times and places where you had like, you know, you have Greek, like Athens and Greece and the philosophers. And then you have Edinburgh and like all the science there. And then you have Silicon Valley and he goes into Calcutta. Do you think we're, do you think Austin is in one right now for Bitcoin? I think we are. I I, I, I don't know. I mean, time will tell and we'll see. Right. We'll see. Um, Another thing he says is they're very, very, very short lived. So you have people who are like, oh my gosh, society is degrading and everything's going, you know, we're Mm -hmm. like deteriorating and degenerating. All of these areas, except for the one that he mentioned, they last like 25 years at most. They're short lived. Oh, I was thinking shorter than that. It could be. Yeah. Oftentimes. Like it's, you have like a very short lived amount of time, the right group of people in almost always a very chaotic, dirty city. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And there's a lot of chaos, which helps with creativity. And they just are able to build off of each other. Sometimes they hate each other. Sometimes they work well together and they just build off of each other. And it fades away very quickly. It's got its own like seeds of destruction built in it, but the things they've built last. Yeah, it definitely feels like Austin Bitcoin scene. Kind of does, definitely huh? does. Yeah, because there's so. a lot of different people that are doing different things. Even yeah. even just the time that I've been a part of it, you kind of really see stuff come out of it, and some successful, some some aren't. And um, but yeah, to, to go back to that industrial light magic thing, point I was trying to make is just the um, like back then you had there's a couple couple movies after that, like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and like all, all these other you know, George Lucas films or, or whatever, whatever they were, Steven Silberg films that were made and they were all using industrial light magic. That's kind of, that's kind of what, you know, it reminds me of here in the yeah. Bitcoin space. It's like, there's a lot of those types that can do the, the behind the scenes stuff yeah. that will facilitate all these amazing, you know, unique projects. And that's kind of how I see it right now. It's just like yeah. a lot of that happening. And then so. there's just a lot of, interesting projects coming out of it. He goes into also how it's sort of like a magnet. So it's not that you have a ton of people who are really good at Bitcoin. You have a ton of really talented people who get interested in Bitcoin and it's a magnet where they're all like, Hey, let's go to this place and let's work on it together. And maybe, you know, in 20, 50 years, those same people would have gone to a different topic. Right Right now, this is the one that is drawing the interest. And so it's sort of like a sort of like a snowball that just kind of builds on itself. I don't know. It's cool. I could totally see Austin being like that. I hope so. It feels very at the beginning of it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. 